This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Resources, LLC. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. Now, it's your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It's just a different place. So you must go out, buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer is that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. This has been a good week in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is a typical teenager. In the book, Autism and Hallelujahs, the author, Kathleen Bideach, describes her life with her son, Joel, who has autism, intellectual disabilities, and an anxiety disorder. In one chapter, she describes Easter with her sister in Florida, Instead of sitting with the other guest on the screen porch, overlooking the park and shimmering water in the distance, she was seated inside at a table with two strangers, another couple named Gus and Evelyn. Joel sits between me and Wally. I give up on the small talk and busy myself by cutting his ham and bite-sized pieces, reminding him with hand gestures to wipe his face. At 15, he's still a messy eater. Years of work, both at home and in school, have not made a dent in his propensity to cram as much food as possible, as quickly as possible, into his mouth. Sometimes it's embarrassing, especially when eating out or when, like today, we share a meal with strangers. Suddenly, I'm aware that Gus is watching Joel. A curious expression on his face. A flush starts in my chest and moves upward. Why is he staring? Can't he tell that Joel is disabled? As usual, Joel finishes his meal before the rest of us have barely touched our piled high plates. I excuse myself to help find his tape player and headset and get him situated in the living room. If I'm lucky, I'll have 10 minutes to finish my meal before being dragged outside. Some Easter, I think. Once again, I'm blinking back tears. As I pull my chair back up to the table, Gus leans towards me and looks me in the eye. I can't help but notice your son is disabled. Do you mind telling me what his disability is? My mind says, oh, please. My mouth forms words, but I am unable to conjure a smile to accompany them. For years, we had a diagnosis of moderate mental retardation, I answer, But a couple of years ago, Joel was diagnosed with autism as well. Gus and Evelyn nodding their heads and asking a few more questions. Gus leans closer to me, his gaze commanding. I can't turn away. In my culture, which is Lakota Sioux, your son would be considered a gift from God. Goosebumps prickle up and down my arms. His steady eyes still hold mine. Lakota Sioux believe that children like yours are sent from heaven to teach us compassion. They are treated with the greatest respect, regardless of the diagnosis or behavior. The four of us have fallen quiet for a moment. Through the dining room archway, we see Joel sitting on the couch, engrossed in his wheezing tape. At that moment, my sister Anne sweeps into the dining room, announcing that dessert is served. Chairs shuffle, plates clatter, laughter replaces quiet conversation, and Easter dawns in my heart. Today on the show, we will be discussing public-private partnerships to build housing for those with intellectual developmental disabilities and the Mayor's Autism-Friendly Tampa Initiative. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. 
to reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I am here with Louis Vieira, our Tampa City Councilman and a founding member of Lawyers Autism Awareness Foundation, best known for their annual sensory-friendly Santa event for children with autism. Also with us today is Susan Morgan. She is the Grace Point Project Manager for their new senior living apartment building for adults with special needs, the Graham, located in Seminole Heights. Hi, Lewis and Susan. Please introduce yourselves to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in helping those with special needs. Lewis, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about your story? Sure, Julie. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it today. Uh, I'm Louis Vieira, and, and, and again, thank you, Julie, for having me here. And, you know, I, I was privileged to grow up, Julie, with the oldest brother, Juan, who's developmentally disabled and is yes. also on the spectrum. So um, a lot of the struggles that we're going to talk about here today and that you deal with on this show so effectively are things that I just grew up with. I grew right. up with organizations like the Special Olympics, the McDonald's Training Center, Harkwood, back when it was around, before it fell apart, et cetera. And so it, it's just something that was part of me. And when mm-hmm. I looked at running for office, that's really one of the issues that I wanted to champion when I got into office was doing what we can as a city and as a community uh, to promote the welfare and well-being of those with special needs. So for me, it's something that is very, very personal. Yes. And you, Susan, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? Yes. Yeah, thank you, Julie, for inviting me. Um, well, I'm thrilled you could make it today on such short notice. Absolutely. Well, my name is Susan Morgan, and I do work for Grace Point, and I'm a clinical social worker. But similar to Lewis, I have a family member. My sister has disabilities, and uh, she has developmental delays as well as epilepsy. And so I, I think from my perspective, just recognizing that sometimes their needs are not met as easily as others in the community. So it kind of made me think maybe I can help bring a few answers, a few solutions. Yes. Well, I'm so thrilled you could be here today because one of the subjects that we want to talk today about was public-private partnerships to build housing for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I know you're going to have to cut out of the show about midway, but could you tell them a little bit about Grace Point and how that came to be? Yes. Grace Point, a lot of people don't realize we do have a lot of programs for people that need assistance with mental health, substance abuse, but we also have programs for homeless and children. But what surprises folks is that we also have an affordable and supportive housing program. Yes. And so within Hillsborough County, we have approximately over 300 apartment units. And I would say roughly about 100 of those are geared and designated for people with disabilities. Great. And, you know, I think a lot of times folks with disabilities, they uh, receive Social Security disability and they didn't ask to have a disability. So they have a lower income than some other folks. And I just have through the years discovered that where many of these individuals live, we wouldn't even want our pets to live there. And there's right. so many families who do everything that they can, but sometimes they're tapped out. So, um, 
fast forward, uh, my parents passed away, and I became the caretaker for my sister. Oh, my. And trying to come up with, okay, I want to build her independence. You know, where are some places she can go? Yes. And really, there was none. And I uh, talked to folks with Department of Children and Families, and they were like, listen, whatever you do. You know, and I think they do the best they can with what they have. But they were right. like, try not to have your sister go in the group homes. Um, and I didn't want that anyway. I mean, we're as a family. My husband and I are able to assist. Right. But she is in a, an affordable housing uh, for seniors that was built through the tax credit program. And it's a beautiful building. You don't even know that it's affordable. And yes. it, it's working beautiful. Um, she, uh, the seniors there, my sister is not a senior, but, uh, she's able to assist them. They look out for her. So it really just became the thing that I thought, you know what, we need more of these type of properties. Right. And it's come a long ways because Lewis's family, um, can you tell them a little bit about your dad and about your relationship sure. with the First Baptist Church and how all that came to uh, be? Yes, ma'am, Julie. Uh, my, my oldest brother, Juan, you know, Juan is about 40 what, six years old right yes. now. And, you know, there comes a time in the life of, of parents raising a child with special needs where you think to yourself, what's going to happen when I'm no longer here? Mm-hmm. Right. And a group of parents, mostly from the First Baptist Church of Brandon, asked themselves that question. And the answer to that for many of them would be New Horizons Group Home, which is in Brandon. Uh, my late dad, who died about five years ago, took off about a year and a half of his work as a contractor to build that group home. Uh, and, and it was a community effort. It was an effort put together by the families in terms of their funds. It was an effort with the public sector, uh, from the county, federal government, et cetera. And that group home today has about a dozen men and women uh, who live lives of dignity and decency surrounded by good values. And, and what Susan said is important, which is that a lot of the facilities where our brothers and sisters who are mentally disabled live yes. in, we wouldn't want our pets to live there. And, and we have to say no to that. And we've got to do better for them. I mean, if you know your history, I, 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 it's not a pleasant subject, but I always remember, what was it, Willowbrook in, in New York 50 yes. years ago. Yes. We, we never want to go back to that. But yet in too many parts of our country, we still have that kind of mentality and we have to say no to that. Yes. Well, thank goodness in Tampa we are. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan, could you explain a little bit more about public and private partnerships? So um, maybe those listening in the audience who might be interested in this t- type of thing would have a better understanding of it. Absolutely. I personally think it's the best partnership. The, the public-private partnership, you know, you, you um, harness the resources that the private sector has with the public sector. Yes. So, for example, we built the GRAM, and that was that type of relationship. So Grace Point partnered up with a for-profit developer and said, hey, this is what we want to do. You have the expertise in doing the financing, putting the contractor and the architect, all of that together. As a nonprofit, we know how to design something, hopefully, um, with the folks, the residents that will be living there in mind. Yes. And we know how to look after them, take care of them, get community support, create an environment where family members want to come, and people can just feel like they're living their lives, um, and they don't have to feel like they're in a program. Right. And so we got the funding from Tallahassee, and um, here we are. We have uh, this $18 million project complete, and it's 90 apartments. Right. And so I think that it's, 
if there's anybody in the listening audience that's in that private sector, I would strongly encourage to team up with a nonprofit or somebody in the public sector because together we can make incredible things happen. Yes, and it's a special program with the government. You have to have a nonprofit, but you also have, a, have to have an experienced developer. And that, my understanding, Susan, is that has come about over time because you have so many nonprofits that they really um, they want to do good, they want to do the right thing, but they just don't have the expertise. And so that is what I my understanding is what the state has come up with is that those two have to come together. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing is a lot of nonprofits, they just don't have a lot of capital. Right. They don't have a lot of money that you can, you know, sometimes to submit these applications costs three, four thousand dollars just to put in an application. Yeah. And it's very, very competitive. Yes. Well, the other thing uh, as you get into all of this is that what people don't understand is when you build a facility, if it's not funded, it goes out of business. And what that means, if you're a developer and you're looking at um, having a facility, you know how much rent you're going to be able to charge to break even. Yes, correct? absolutely. So, so it's not as if this um, development is a burden to the taxpayer, What's happening is you have the individuals who are living there who are paying from their funds, either from um, Social Security or the Med Waiver. Is that correct? That's correct. And some people even work. Yes. And that's the other thing that people don't realize is if a, if a person with special needs is able to work, it adds so much. Even if it's just a couple hundred dollars a, m- a month, it adds so much to their lifestyle Absolutely. and to what they can do. Now, I... Why don't we take a break, and I want you to tell a little bit about where Grace Point was before this was built. There was a wonderful story in the paper Mm -hmm. last week about Mary Miles and where it was and where you guys were headed. Does that sound good? I would love to tell the story. Okay. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I am here with Louis Vieira, Tampa City Councilman, and Susan Morgan, the Project Manager for Grace Point's new Special Needs Affordable Housing in Seminole Heights. Please stay with us. We will be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I am here with Louis Vieira, Tampa City Councilman, and Susan Morgan, the Project Manager for Grace Point's new Special Needs Affordable Housing in Seminole Heights. Susan, we were just discussing Grace Point, and I wanted you to tell the listeners a little bit about the story of how it began, because it began a very long time ago. You know, it did, and I think it's really just an amazing story. So Mrs. Graham, her husband passed away, and we really don't know a whole lot about her other than she was here in Hillsborough County, but when she passed, she created a will that her entire estate would create a home for seniors that had nowhere else to go. Yes. So that her will was contested. Some family members came in, and um, but it, 
the rumor has it it went all the way to the uh, state Supreme Court, as wow. interesting as that is. Um, but her will stood, and with Hillsborough County and a group of clergy in Hillsborough County, the grant was established. And for about 60 years, it did just that. It helped adults that had pretty much nowhere else to go in a dignified, respectful manner. However, through the years, it became more of a residential group home. Right. And, you know, state, unfortunately, just doesn't always uh, invest in uh, affordable housing and for people with disabilities. So we really just, the trust ran out of money, and Grace Point couldn't sustain it on its own. So I knew we only had about three years left before we would have to close the doors. And some of these folks have lived here for 20, 25 years. Right. I mean, we were their family. Mary Miles, who's the program administrator for 25 years, uh, was there looking after these residents, birthday, holidays. So it just broke my heart to think that if we had to close our doors, some of them may be homeless or they'd have to go to ALFs or some f- places that just didn't have the people that I thought would really care for them the way Mary and her team has cared for people. So I started researching and learning and speaking to different people and uh, found Florida Housing Finance Corp. And they were really great. And um, that's when I developed my private public partnership with the DDA Development, a um, Bowen Arnold and John Schilling. And they were really helpful. And um, what I think is a beautiful part of the story, what Mrs. Graham had intended to help people. She probably never thought it would last 60 years. Right. But now with this new property we have, it has a 50-year set aside. So for over 100 years, this property will have given back to people in Hillsborough County and people that just need, and I love how Lewis said it, um, a place where they can live with dignity and with respect. Yes, well, that's amazing. I have, I have actually, I have three friends that I know that have nonprofits that are actually looking at developing communities for special needs. So, if they're sitting there, what's their first step to take? I think the first step is to really identify what is the population. You know, adults, children, and you always have to look at obviously the funding. Because um, you, you you can get money to build it, but then how are you going to maintain it? It's the operational cost. It usually gets people. And I would say look for a, uh, you know, just start seeing who's in your community. Um, it could be a developer. It could, if you see, um, there's lots of stuff online where you can look at other uh, states and how they've done things. I think the best bet is to start putting a team together. Yes. Well, I have friends that have been specializing in senior living and um, specializing in those types of development and nursing care. And it's been wonderful because I've had an opportunity to put them in touch with those with the special needs community. And I'm hoping that they will in the future look at developing those type of projects. But it's there's a learning curve to that, too. And it's fortunate because in the special needs community, the demand is so great that there's really, I, I don't feel that people are competitive and cutthroat. It's more of an environment where everyone's helping each other because there are so many people in desperate need of living quarters. There's definitely a, a real need. And I think as Lewis had spoken earlier, I think it weighs on a lot of parents that what's going to happen Yes. After they pass, who's going to look after my child? You know, some some parents are fortunate. They have siblings and maybe some other family members that will step in. But I think not everybody does. Um, I find myself now, 
you know, where my parents were. What, what's going to happen after my sister when I'm not here? Right. And uh, it, I don't want to say it weighs on you, but it weighs on you. Right. And, uh, you know, in a, in a healthy way. But um, there is waiting lists everywhere. So I think the more that people come together and they talk and they share, the challenge, the biggest challenge is funding. Right. And I think we need a wide range of housing, too. We need some housing that is similar to New Horizons, that is contained and everyone is similar and the supports are there and wraparound services. But we also need other types of housing where maybe it's a little more integrated, Yes, well, where you have typical people yes. and people with special needs. Well, explain to the audience how that works, because that was one of the situations I was running in with someone that specializes with just senior living environments is not understanding how they integrate together. Can you explain that? Sure. Uh, and it can be, I personally like senior properties and special needs uh, populations together, but it could be a family property. I think you just have to look at the uniqueness of wherever the property is at, the folks involved, what's in the surrounding area. But with seniors in particular, a lot of times they're retired and they'll kind of tend to look after Uh, people with special needs, but it's also an opportunity for people with special needs to maybe have their own apartment, but then they can also help the seniors. So if they need help bringing their groceries in or um, maybe bringing water from the car inside, you know, those are things that so it kind of creates an environment where then everybody is helping each other and everybody feels validated. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's so true about it because um, there's so much that my children could do and help others with, and there are those that can't do as much as they do. So I even find them complimenting each other with their different disabilities. Yes, and I think we have to constantly remind ourselves and others that people with special needs, they're people. And they all have different strengths and abilities. And just because someone has a disability doesn't mean they can't contribute. We encourage most of our residents at the grant to be involved in something, Some either volunteering, working. It could be somewhere even on the property. But people just feel better when they know someone's relying on them and that they're contributing. Yes, yeah, so it was interesting. I was talking to Jack Kosick of Noah's Landing, mm-hmm. and he created the villages of Noah's, Land, Noah's Ark in Lakeland. And he was talking about he had so many activities that he was actually cutting back on some of the activities so people would be uh, concentrating more on going to work. Because <laughs> he said, who would want to do crafts and then yoga and and all the things that they have? It's kind of like Disneyland out there in, in Lakeland for this development. And um, it was, it's been interesting just talking to him about the learning curve of running a development just for those with developmental disabilities and intellectual um, disabilities. Uh, from the simple thing of if you have three people living together, they each have three ketchups, three mm-hmm. mustards, and he has separate pantries where they're able to um, keep their personal items. So just all kinds of things that you don't think about. So there is a learning curve there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think safety, too. Like, we designed um, the Graham to be a secure building. Yes. And, you know, for a lot of parents, even myself, you know, sometimes people um, – with special needs are easily taken advantage of, unfortunately, by other people. So we wanted to kind of create an environment where parents and family members would feel comfortable. um, And so they can, you know, they can, I don't say wander, but they can walk the property. We have walking paths and community community garden and computers and a library, gym, a whole bunch of things that they can, but also letting them know that you can't just let anybody into the building. Right. You know, but oftentimes they're very friendly. And they're like, oh, 
but they were my friend. I'm like, you just met them five minutes ago. <laughs> yes, we, we run into that sometimes. Fortunately, my kids are a little bit standoffish, so that helps. But I know with the children, when I first realized they were special needs, my goal back then was just to outlive them by one day. And um, I remember telling my mom that for the first time, if I could just outlive them by one day, I would be fine. And then along the way, I realized that... Um, that they would that I wanted them that they would probably outlive me, and this is one of the first generations of special needs um, children that are outliving their parents. Mm. And when I realized that, I realized that I couldn't ask them to do the hardest thing they would ever do in their life, which was to transition into living without me. And that was something I needed to help them to do. Now my girls are just nineteen and twenty one, so that's something I, I pictured something maybe ten years from now, not any time soon. I'm not ready to let them go. I am so possessive and protective. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say we work with a lot of parents encouraging them yes. to really work on building up their children, their adult children's independence as much as possible yes. because you never know. And a lot of times you don't realize how independent they can be. Yes, and they are. And I don't want them to be a burden on my typical child. I want everything set up so that um, my typical child just oversees them, but they're not a a burden that everything's in place taken care of and life goes on so well susan thank you so much for being with us what we're going to do is we're going to take a break and um we're going to um be discussing the autism friendly city initiative the mayor's autism friendly tampa initiative program and we're going to be discussing the new playground that they're developing did you want to stay with us are you going absolutely i think it is such an exciting project and i'm so proud that the city was able to get that done yes isn't it i'm julie ames and you're listening to the special needs family hour on am 860 the answer i'm here with louis fiera tampa city councilman and susan morgan the project manager for grace points new special needs affordable housing in seminole heights please stay with us and we'll be right back To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Louis Vieira, Tampa City Councilman, and Susan Morgan, the Project Manager for Grace Point's new special needs affordable housing in Seminole Heights. We were just discussing um, a public and private partnerships in building housing for special needs. But let's move on to the new autism-friendly park that the city is planning to build. Louis, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, ma'am. Julian, thank you again for having me here. Something that we were very excited to have in the budget is five acres set aside in the North Tampa area for design and development on what is called an autism or sensory-friendly park. Um, I I represent District 7, which is the new Tampa and North Tampa area. And this would be a park that's accessible to all of the district and, frankly, really all of the city. So it's something that we're very excited about. It would be the first of its kind in the immediate area. Um, And this year, Julie, funds would be dedicated prospectively with 
the approval of my colleagues on city council right. um, for design and development because you have to first get the design down before you break the ground. Yes. So that's what would be included in the mayor's budget. And then thereafter, the next year, we would be looking for the funds for actual construction. So we're getting to first base with it, and we're confident that we will. And we're thrilled because, Julie, one of the things that you touched upon is uh, parents raising special uh, kids with special needs. Yes. And the way that I see this, whether you have a child with special needs who is two or a child with special needs who is 42, this park sends a message. It sends a message that the city of Tampa stands with you in yes. moral solidarity with your experiences. Yes. Now, can you explain to the audience how that will be autism-friendly and what will make it autism-friendly versus Certainly. other parks? Certainly. Well, whenever it comes to things such as sensory interactions, uh, the kind of equipment that is there, um, basic things that children with autism and other sensory dysfunctions would be disturbed by due to their, uh, I guess, if you will, neurological impairment, yes. will have modifications, uh, transitions, and accommodations in this particular park. Um, yes. But right now, the most important thing is the development of it. And, of course, we're having the lead taken by our friends at CARD, uh, the Centers for Autism and Related Disabilities at USF, yes. as always. So it would essentially seek to accommodate children uh, with neurological dis- difficulties as well as autism. Yes. Well, I know my um, my middle daughter, Christina, mm-hmm. she's 19. She has to have headphones yes. that she carries with her yes. all the time. And recently... Um, she was with a group at Mosey, and mm-hmm. they took her to the IMAX film. Yeah, yeah. And she had a seizure right after. Yes. It's and, just... And, and, and we need increased awareness, because I bet you a million bucks if the folks at Mosey knew about your daughter's difficulties, they wouldn't have done that. They're not cruel. It was ignorance. Well, it wasn't people... Oh, I better be careful. It wasn't people at Mosey. It was a group that she was with. Yes, and, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, the group, in other words. Right, uh, we, right, right. we need better education. We're, we're seeing that. We're seeing that with... Uh, such as, for example, the, the the SAN event that we do every year. We yes. see that at the Strath Center recently. I was thrilled to see uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. They did it sensory-friendly. Yes. We see that with a lot of the different movie theaters. We see that a lot with churches. We were just talking about our friends at Idlewild Baptist yes. who do such a great job for people with special needs. So I think we're seeing that more and more, but we right. still have a long way to go. Oh, yes. Well, we definitely have a, a long ways to go with all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and what, would you like me to talk about the mayor's initiative? Yes, that would be awesome. Great. Thank you, Julie. Well, um, my, my hat is off to, first off, to Mayor Bob Buckhorn. Julie, for people like you and me who have loved ones, who yes. have special needs, this is what, what you call a natural cause for us. Right. I think about your daughters. I think about my brother, Juan. It, it, it's something that if we didn't champion, we wouldn't champion our blood and our names. Um, to the best of my knowledge, and I could be wrong, uh, the mayor doesn't have anybody in his immediate family who's who has special needs. To the best of my knowledge. I don't think he does. So when I look at men and women and, and children who champion those like your daughters, like my brother Juan, my hat's off to them. Because that comes from a sense of empathy. That comes from a sense of decency. Uh, that comes from a sense of, of, of believing in what I call the family of Tampa and the family of America. We, we've heard a lot in the news lately about inclusion, and, I, and I'm certainly pr- proud to be on the forefront of that as an elected official. Right. Um, for me, inclusion in terms of having what I call the family of Tampa, it's about not just different races coming together, not just people from different faiths coming together, but people telling people raising kids with special needs that your children will have a place at the table of our family of the family of America. And to me, that's what this initiative for the mayor, which I'd love to talk about with you, is all about. Well, I liked the quote from the mayor. He said, um, why not more friends, more fun, and more acceptance? Certainly. Yep. And and that's what it's for. We want to put Tampa 
as I see it, is an exceptional city. We're a city built by immigrants. We're a city where immigrants who came from Spain, from Italy, from Cuba, from all over yes. come here and, and were once outsiders. And now it, it's a city where we champion those values. To me, if you apply those values for today, it's about inclusion, people who are different, people who, who don't fit the mold. And that's what I think this initiative is all about. Yeah, so I'm excited when I when I see the tour guides around Tampa. Yes. And mm-hmm. just knowing that they'll be trained and yes. in what to look for. Could you talk a little bit about some of the training that's been going on in Tampa? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Julie. A couple of things that the city of Tampa has already uh, taken an initiative with first has been with parks and recreation, something that's very, very important. You know, parks and recreation is a basic part of family life in our city. But if you're raising a child with special needs, you may may not feel comfortable being there, maybe because because of the way that your child will act, et cetera. But initiatives and steps have been taken to train the staff at our parks in the city of Tampa to make sure that they are equipped for children with autism and different sensory uh, dysfunctions and difficulties. Uh, Number two has been the Tampa Convention Center, Uh, again, equipping and training the staff there to make sure that they are sensitive to the neurological impairments and and difficulties of those who are on the spectrum. And most important has been our friends with Tampa Police Department. Um, Quite often, if you're an average cop, right, uh, who just wants to do the right thing, you come across somebody with autism and maybe you don't have a history of people with autism right. can be difficult. It can yes. be very, very difficult. So what steps have been taken uh, to equip police officers with the kind of uh, sensitivity and awareness that they need to deal with this population. So that's certainly something that's already been done. And with law enforcement, that's very important because yes. quite often, if you don't have knowledge of autism, you could easily mistake that kind of behavior for a troublemaker, and they're not a troublemaker, you know, necessarily. So that's certainly something that's important. In October, our friends at Tampa Fire will also be trained. Um, And again, something that's very important, a lot of these first responders are men and women who come across very dangerous situations. Yes. Um, And to be able to effectively communicate with everyone in the city, they have to know what happens in the mind of somebody who has autism or who is on the spectrum. Yes. So again, the basic idea of this initiative is to make sure that all of our city departments are not only sensitive to people with special needs and autism, but that are equipped to accommodate their unique and special needs whenever it comes to these city services. Yes. Well, I know for some of my friends, I'm very fortunate because my girls are little people. Mm -hmm. They're four foot nine and five foot one. Mm -hmm. But uh, and as you know, special needs is predominantly there are a lot more boys yes. and yes. they have friends that are huge. Oh, yes. And and you see someone that big, that able bodied mm-hmm. and they're acting oddly because maybe they're Asperger's yeah. or they're on the spectrum. Um, and it's not a discipline. You know, when the kids were little and they would be bad. Yeah. My husband asked me, he says, well, was it a training problem <laughs> reference yeah. me or was it a discipline problem mm-hmm. or what? And people don't realize that it's not because they're not. um it's because of their situation yes, and their sensory input and what they're dealing with. And I have friends that are worried about that. Yes. And I can relate to that, Julie, 100%. It's the story of my life growing up with my brother. Um, my brother's about 46 years old. And if you take a look at him initially, he doesn't look like he's disabled. No, and he, he doesn't. Could, and he could say things in public and, and you're like, what's that guy saying? You know what yes. I mean? Yes. So people have got to be able to accommodate 
um, those kinds of issues in people. So I'm I'm 100% with you there. Well, tell them the story about your brother. I think mm-hmm. it was at McDonald's. Oh, yeah, it was Wendy's. It was, it Wendy's. was Wendy's. I told that to my typical child, <laughs> and she... It made her day. Yes, it's a story. My brother and I, we recount it with my mom probably twice a year because it's hilarious. Though I'll tell you, it wasn't funny at the mm-hmm. time. It was the Wendy's, I recall, next to Bush Gardens. And I was about, my son's age, about 10 years old. And they, they used to have that all-you-can-eat bar over there. And my brother Juan was about maybe 16 or 17. Tony, my older brother, who's also a lawyer, was about 12 or 13. And my brother Juan, who's always been a portly gentleman, God bless him, he wanted to have more food. And my mother said, no, she said no. And so Juan just freaks out and flipped the table over and starts yelling, mother, mother, mother. And my brother and I, we got the heck out of there, you know, because it's, it's, we're, we're kids. Yeah. We just got the heck out of there. And then my mother just, I guess, dragged poor Juan out. But the Wendy's, uh, all you can eat bar story is legendary in our family yes. because it's, it's, it's typical. We we all know about that. It's typical. Yes. And the people who saw Juan there probably thought to themselves, what a bad mom. But yes. it, it was anything but. It was just somebody who was having difficulties. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Louis. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Louis Vieira, Tampa City Councilman, and Susan Morgan, the Project Manager for Grace Point's new Special Needs Affordable Housing in Seminole Heights. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Luis Vieira, Tampa City Councilman, and Susan Morgan, the project manager for Grace Point's new special needs affordable housing in Seminole Heights. Louis and Susan, could you, um, maybe let me start with Louis. Could you explain a little bit about some of the, uh, mm-hmm. the funding and special needs mm-hmm. um, things that parents need to be looking at? for their, uh, who they're guardian for. Yes, and, and th- there's a whole series of programs out there that I'm sure parents and yourself, Julie, are familiar with. Things like SSI, Social Security Disability, Medicare, Medicaid, etc. Um, these are a patchwork of programs, fe- many of them federal. Um, some of them are administered locally that deal with everything from health care to supplemental income to jobs, etc. for people with special needs. And I would encourage all parents to make sure, I say this as an elected official, to hold your elected officials' feet to the fire on these issues. Be educated. Be aware on that. Just recently in the federal level, uh, we were fighting a 40% or a cut, excuse me, $800 billion cut to Medicaid. 40% of people on Medicaid are those with special needs. So be engaged on these issues. It is so important to be engaged on these issues as a parent. Yes. And Susan, and, and at Grace Point, how do people fund that, the individuals living there? Many of the individuals, well, I'll say all the individuals living here are pretty much on Social Security disability. Yes. Um, some of their family members, you know, might add a little bit, you know, to that to uh, improve their quality of life. And then uh, some of them are on Med Waiver also? 
I think right now we only have one that's on the med waiver. Okay. And med waiver, for those that don't know, is a program, um, well, it's a federal state program, but it's serviced through American Persons with Disabilities, APD, and their organization that I hope to have on the show in the mm-hmm. near future to help familiarize parents a little bit more with that. So as you were planning your, I guess, as far as affordable housing rent, about what is the range for that for those individuals? Yeah, you know, that's the challenge is trying to keep it something that's very affordable for them. What we elected to do at this point in time, uh, some of our special needs housing is 30% of their income, which is really ideal. Right. And uh, that's, you know, it's still not, you know, it's livable, especially if someone receives 735 a month to live on. Right. Um, and then some of our other ones, it's roughly about 500 a month, but that includes your cable and uh, $50 for their utilities. Right. And, you know, we all the laundry facilities are at no cost, and it also includes a supportive piece. Yes. And that's one of those things is as a as a mom with special needs, I, I just did not think about these aren't things that you think about because you, you know, I was an engineer and you're going along and you've got your whole life mm-hmm. planned and and you're not thinking about this. But when you have a special needs child or your guardian for someone with special needs, these are programs that you've really got to look at because this is really how these people are being taken care of. Mm-hmm. And, and where our tax dollars are going also. Louis, did you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, just your, your comment there that, that you're living your life in one minute, in, in the next minute you got a diagnosis. I always tell people that when you're, you're having a kid, you know, you have dreams that maybe my kid will be the next president or, yes. or the, the president of Princeton, whatever. And then when you get that diagnosis, all those things that seemed important, they just vanish right into the air. And all you care about is dignity and respect for your kid. And all these things that we've talked about here today whether it's these programs, whether it's the city initiative, whether it's local churches, you know, yes. living out the Sermon on the Mount for people with special needs like Idlewild does. Um, it, it's all about giving respect to that population. Yes. Well, I like what you said about dignity and respect, yes. because mm-hmm. that was my big fear. I didn't mm-hmm. want my children to have a diagnosis and I didn't yes. want people to know they had a genetic anomaly because yes. I thought they'd be treated differently. Mm-hmm. So that is that's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan, did you have anything else to add here? No, I think what I would like to add is appreciation for you having us on your show today and being able to continue to advocate and speak and educate um, your listeners about not just special needs populations, but hopefully we were able to encourage them that the tide is turning, the tide is changing, and there's more opportunities than ever for not just the special needs population, but their family members as well. Yes. Well, that's the thing is, um, and when we talk about special needs, I don't want, I don't like to ever overwhelm people. For instance, with my children, they're, my family loves my children, but there are times where their disabilities can be overwhelming and they need a break or, or just sometimes like one time one of my children, uh, she was hyperventilating and this person who loves her very much. Next thing I know, I looked around and he was gone. And does that mean he doesn't love it? There's only so much. So I, I, if anyone's listening to this and they don't have a special needs child, I don't want anyone to think that we're trying to force special needs people on everyone. We're just trying to integrate them into society in a way that it's not really noticed. It's just an acceptance thing. Well, Susan, and Lewis, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. And I know, Susan, it was short notice, and I know you have a board meeting to go to after this at Grace Point. But um, can you please uh, tell everyone how to contact you? 
Yes, they are welcome to call me at my office. That telephone number is 813-239-8121, or they can email me at smorgan at gracepointwellness.org. Okay, and are there tours that people can uh, take? Yes, would love any time. Just okay. let me know when, and I'll make it available. Okay. Well, I, I've been by Grace Point. I was amazed at how large it was, but I do plan to call you and take a tour. Louis, did you want to tell people how to contact you? Yes, ma'am. I was actually looking up our city council number because I don't have it by memory, but it is 813-274-8131. That's Tampa City Council. And if you ever want to email me, I'm at L-U-I-S dot V-I-E-R-A at tampagov.net, and I'm always more than happy to engage with people, especially on this important moral issue. Thank you. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I appreciate Louis Vieira, our Tampa City Councilman, and Susan Morgan, the Project Manager of Grace Point's new Special Needs Affordable Housing and Seminole Heights, being here today. Please join us next Sunday afternoon at 1 on the Special Needs Family Hour. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1 for the Special Needs Family Hour, only on AM 860. The Answer. The Answer.